Section 1. Commentary in the Gospel of John, Book 7. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Commentary on the Gospel of John, Book 7, by Cyril of Alexandria, translated by Rev. Thomas Randall. The Fragments Which Are Extant of Book 7. Section 1. Chapter ten eighteen, No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. In this place he teaches that he is not only a good shepherd, enduring peril for the sake of his flock, but also in his nature God. Therefore he would not have suffered death, had he not been willing through his possessing the very God-befitting power of undertaking this work, so very advantageous to us. And the structure of the discourse taught the Jews this also, that they were never going to prevail against him unless he was willing. And not only as regards laying down life did he say, I have power, but this expression, I have power, he used with regard to both his death and his resurrection, in order that the action of might and energy might not appear to be that of another, as though it were a concession granted to him as to a minister and servant in office, but in order that he might display as a fruit of his own nature the power to exercise authority over the very bonds of death and easily to modify the natures of things in whatever way he wished, which is really a characteristic of him who is by nature God. This, then, he wishes to show by saying, I have power to lay down my life, and I have power to take it again, because neither commanded as a servant or a minister, nor even as it were from necessity, nor being violently compelled by any, but willingly, he came to do this. This commandment received I from my father. For lest any one should say that against the will of the Son the Father is not able to take away his life, and hence introduce discord and variance into the one Godhead of the Father and the Son. By these words which he says, I received commandment. He shows that the Father also agrees and consents to this, and professes that they come forward to it as with one accord, although he is the will of the Father. And this will be found consistent also with his incarnation. By saying that he received in the way of a commandment that which seemed right in the eyes of his Father, he being by nature God, does not make himself inferior to the Father, but observes what befits his participation of man's nature. Again, he puts us in mind that he is himself the prophet concerning whom the Father said, He shall speak according as I shall command him. Speaking of the common will of both Father and Son as received like a commandment. This he spake to the Jews, lest they should think that he said things contrary to the ordinances of the Father. And if the Father named his own consubstantial Son a prophet, be not troubled. 
for when he became man, then also the name of prophet was suitable to him. Then also we may say that commandments were given to him by the Father agreeably to his human nature. But one who receives commandments is not for that reason inferior or unlike in essence or nature to one who gives commandments, inasmuch as men give commandments to men, and angels to angels, and we do not for that reason say that those who are commanded are of different nature or inferior. Therefore the Son is not inferior to the Father, although he became man, in order that he might become a pattern of all virtue for us. By this means he also teaches us that we ought to obey our parents in all things, although we are equal to them as regards our nature. And in some places when it is said by the Father, I will command, the meaning is, I will deal fitly with, as when he said, and I will command the whole world for their evil deeds, and the ungodly for their sins. Moreover, there are times when the Son speaks with helpful condescension, so that we may as far as is possible get an understanding of the ineffable oracles. Yet his having said, I received a commandment, does not make one who is in his nature God cease to be God either therefore say he is god and ascribe to him all that properly befits the godhead or say plainly he is a creature for the fact of having received a commandment does not strip any one of the qualities which naturally belong to him but since the son speaks whatever the father commands him and he says i and the father are one thou art obliged to say either that the father commanded the son to tell the truth or to tell a lie for what the son hath received commandment to speak he speaketh for he saith the father which sent me he hath given me a commandment what i should say and what i should speak and although he also said my father is greater than i that is nothing to the contrary for in so far as he is in his nature God, he is equal to the Father. But in so far as he became man and humbled himself, he, in accordance with this, speaks words which befit his humanity. Nevertheless, as the name of commandment is something external to the essence of a person, it could not be made an objection to his essence. For it is not in the Father's giving him commandment that the Son has his being, nor could this ever be made the limit of his essence. The Son, therefore, as being the counsel and wisdom of the Father, knows what is fittingly determined by him, and if he receives it as a commandment, do not marvel. For by human modes of expression he signifies things beyond expression, and things unspeakable by our voices are brought down to the mode of expression usual amongst us, so that we may be enabled to understand them. Accordingly, let us blame not the inconsistency of the matter, but the weakness of the words, which cannot reach to the full expression and accurate interpretation of the matters as they ought. 19, 20, 21 
There arose a division again among the Jews because of those words, and many of them said, He hath a devil and is mad. Why hear ye him? Others said, These are not the sayings of one possessed with a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? The words of the Saviour go down into the hearts of his hearers, and those whom they find gentle and yielding they immediately mould and transform to a good condition. But those whom they find hard they recoil from, or in some manner turn away from. So that he who has his mind somewhat prepared for fair reason will gladly receive the saving words, but he who is not so will not. Something of this sort was what happened to the people of the Jews to experience. For when they had heard the Saviour's words, they are divided into two parties, and those who are more amenable to reason now incline towards the first principle of salvation. But the hard of heart become worse than they were at first. And the inspired evangelist seems to be struck with astonishment as to how it happened that the people of the Jews were divided on account of these words. For I think it is very evident that from surprise at the hardness of those who did not believe, he says, there arose a division because of these words, by means of which, he seems to imply, the Jews ought to have been fully persuaded that Jesus was the Christ. So wonderful were the words of the Saviour. But when even these words were spoken, by which it was fair to expect that even the very hard to catch would be ensnared into conviction, there arose a division among them. He marvels much, therefore, that they had given themselves over in an unholy manner to a shameless disregard of evidence. For I suppose it was just to accuse them in proportion as it was reasonable to marvel at the words of our Saviour. He certainly spake God-befitting words, and such as went beyond man. And the magnificence and God-befitting boldness of his superhuman words drive the multitude to intemperate folly. And since it was usual for those who were in truth possessed with devils to speak evil very readily, being of course easily provoked to rage and outside the pale of all intelligence, and since they thought that the Lord was a mere man, not understanding that he was in his nature God, for these reasons they said he had a devil, as one who blasphemed so intemperately. Because they heard him say such things as it befitted only God to say. Looking upon him as one like ourselves, and not yet knowing who he was by nature, they considered him to speak evil when he spake in any way that befitted God. Therefore, agreeably to his incarnation and condescendingly, because of the infirmity of his hearers, he also often employs our manner of speech. The people of the Jews, therefore, are divided, and some, understanding nothing whatever of the mysteries concerning him, are insolent in an unholy manner. But others, who are more reasonable in their habit of mind, do not condemn him rashly, but ruminate on his words, and carefully test them, and begin to perceive the sweetness in them. And in this way they arrive at a most praiseworthy discernment, 
and do not attribute to the babblings of a demoniac words so sober and full of the highest wisdom for it is the custom of those demons when they are driving men mad to speak beside the mark the pharisees therefore were more like demoniacs who called by this name one who was free of all disease and did not notice that they were proclaiming the disease which was in themselves and were doing no other than explaining in their folly the very evil that possessed themselves and for my part i think that they speak with the highest degree of evil craftiness when they say the lord is demoniac for since he charged them with being wretched and hireling shepherds who abandoned their sheep to the wolf and cared altogether so little for their flock being in no small alarm lest perhaps the people understanding what was said should now refuse any longer to be shepherded by them and follow the instruction given by christ on this account trying to cheat the understanding of the common people they say he hath a devil why hear ye him but these words too the words of those men who spake with evil craft had the opposite result to that which they intended and the others judging from the quality of the words discern that the words of the lord are without blame not such as would be those of one possessed with a devil moreover the miracles says one offer an irresistible testimony for although you find fault with his words as not blamelessly spoken yet it is impossible that any one can at the same time be possessed with a devil and do such works as only god is able to do therefore fair judges recognized him from his works and also from admiration of the words which he spake twenty two twenty three and it was the feast of the dedication at jerusalem and it was winter and jesus was walking in the temple in solomon's porch but the lord was not present at the feast as one who would share the feasting for how could he he who said i hate i reject your feast days but in order that he might speak his most profitable words in the presence of many people showing himself openly to the jews and to mingle himself with them without being sought and we must suppose that the feast of the dedication here signifies either the chief feast called by this name in memory of that when solomon performed the dedication or the other when zerubbabel at a later time together with jeshua rebuilt the temple after the return from babylon for as it was winter and rainy weather at this time probably all the people flocked to the porch therefore christ also went there in order that he might make himself known to all who were willing to see him and distribute blessings to them for those who saw him were provoked to ask somewhat of him because at holidays more than at other times men are naturally given to stir up anxiously such arguments 24 the jews therefore came round about him and said unto him how long dost thou hold us in suspense if thou art the christ tell us plainly the envy which embitters them takes away all keenness to perceive what might lead to faith 
but the greatness of the works he performed forces them to admiration nevertheless they find fault with his words and say that the obscurity of his teachings stood in the way of their being able to understand what they ought to learn they accordingly request him to speak more clearly although they had often heard him and had received a long instruction on this point for though he did not say distinctly i am the christ yet he brought forward in his public teaching many statements of the honourable names which naturally belong to him at one time saying i am the light of the world and again at other times i am the resurrection and the life i am the way i am the door i am the good shepherd surely by these names which he gives himself he signifies that he is the christ for the scripture is wont by such honourable names to decorate the christ although the jews required him to call himself plainly by that title yet it would perhaps have been in vain and not very easy of acceptance to say in simple words i am the christ unless actions followed for proof by which it might have been reasonably believed that he was the christ and it is beyond comparison better that he should be recognized as the christ not from the words which he said but from the attributes which naturally belong to him and from which the divine scriptures concerning him foretell and declare that he would be manifestly known which things the jews in their littleness of soul not understanding they say how long dost thou hold us in suspense for it is usual for those who are contemptuous to speak thus. 25. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, these bear witness of me. Even Christ, therefore, considered it superfluous to say the same things over again to those who had often heard them and had not been persuaded by them for every one's nature ought to be estimated from the quality of his works, and we ought by no means to look solely at his words. And he says of himself that he accomplishes his works in his Father's name, not enjoying the use of power from above in the manner of an ordinary saint, nor accusing himself of want of power, being God of God, consubstantial with the Father, the power of the father but as ascribing to the divine glory the power of his performances he says that he does his works in his father's name yet he also gives the honour to the father lest he might give the jews a pretext for attacking him moreover he also thought it fitting not to overpass the limit of the form of a servant although he was god and lord and by saying that in his father's name he did his works he teaches that the jews blasphemed when they said that he cast out devils by beelzebub and since the father does the marvellous deeds not because he is a father but because he is in his nature god so the son also not because he is a son but as god of god is able himself to do the works of the father wherefore suitably to his nature he said 
he did his works in his father's name. 26, 27, 28 But ye believe me not, because ye are not of my sheep. But I said unto you, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. A willing readiness to obey characterizes the sheep of Christ, as disobedience marks those that are not his. For thus we understand the word hear, as equivalent to obey, namely, the words that are spoken. And they who thus hear God are known by him, and known signifies brought into friendly relationship. For no one is altogether unknown by God. When therefore he saith, I know mine, he saith this, I will receive them, and bring them into friendly relationship, both mystically and firmly. And any one might say that, inasmuch as he has become man, he brought all men into friendly relationship by being of the same race, so that we are all united to Christ in a mystical relationship, inasmuch as he has become man. But they are alienated from him, who do not preserve the correspondent image of his holiness. For in this way also the Jews, who are united in a family relationship with Abraham the faithful, because they were unbelieving, were deprived of that kinship with him on account of the dissimilarity of character. And he saith, And my sheep follow me. For they who are obedient and follow, by a certain God-given grace, in the footsteps of Christ, no longer serving the shadows of the law, but the commandments of Christ, and giving heed to his words, through grace shall rise to his honorable name, and be called sons of God. For when Christ descends into the heavens, they also shall follow him. And he says that he gives to those that follow him as a recompense and reward eternal life and exemption from death, or corruption, and from the torments that will be brought upon the transgressors by the judge. And by the fact of his giving life, he shows that he is in his nature life, and that he furnishes this from himself, and not as receiving it from another. And we understand by eternal life, not only the length of days which all, both good and bad, are going to enjoy after the resurrection, but also the spending it in bliss. It is possible also to understand by life the mystical blessing by which Christ implants in us his own life through the participation of his own flesh by the faithful, according to that which is written, He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. End of section 1